This is Making It Happen by Sims, a podcast that brings people, business and technology together. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Making It Happen by Sims. Um, I'm here today with two very special guests. Um, I have Raphael Bloom with me and I have Bala Sivapalan as well. Gents, how are you? Very well, thank you. Good to see you, Drew. Yeah, very well, Drew. Good, good, good. So before we go into introductions, um, I just wanted to give our audience a bit of an insight into today's podcast and and its purpose, really. Um, I think it's, you know, for most of us, we might not have a true understanding of what Edge and its drivers are, um, but we've we've certainly heard of Edge. I think it's obvious to see that it's becoming more and more heard of, um, more and more utilised. Spending on Edge is up like 15% on last year already in terms of hardware alone. So for the education part, it wasn't until I came across YouTube in searching for some answers on this um, around edge and edge data centers in particular that I thought no one's really talking about it that much, nor was there that great of explanations on it. And there wasn't really even a podcast either as well. And I think they're such great learning tools. So I thought with this, what better than to get you guys on to answer some of those questions with me um, that I can personally benefit from that I know our audience will benefit from. So Without further ado, we'll get into that. So let's do some introductions. Rafi, if you want to kick it off, and then Balor, if you introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, uh, good to be here. My name's Rafi Bloom. Uh, uh, I am, I guess, a grizzled veteran of the data game. I, I started my career in the late 90s with Bloomberg, and I was with them for a, a good while. Um, so I learned lots, indeed, about various different models. Uh, one of the things that is pertinent today is that I used to look at uh, look after Bloomberg TV, various aspects, and we used the content delivery network. So we'll talk about that. Uh, since then, been involved with, I mean, these days, let's call it digital transformation. That means a lot of different things, depending on what industry you're in. But yeah, I, I help organizations to make sense of their data uh, from a regulatory uh, standpoint. Uh, first of all, information governance and things like that long-term technology advice uh, but also I have a marketing and branding practice that comes off that because I, I like talking about tech and um, yeah, as you'll see thanks yeah that's that's what that's why you're on Rafi <laughs> thank you for having me here and for inviting me to this uh, podcast uh, my name is Bala Mayron Sivabalan I'm coming actually from the uh, IT support background so I started as a first liner and uh, worked my way to third line support and uh, then joined Kingston and started uh, supporting the Kingston products. Uh, so more on the hardware side. So still doing the same type of support, but um, uh, supporting the actual hardware and uh, sometimes involves software as well. And uh, now I'm a uh, FAE. So um, main purpose is really supporting all the Kingston products. Um, so pre-sales uh, and uh, advising which products would be suitable for the uh, different types of usage from customers. Uh, so my focus is really mainly the, the hardware and compatibilities sometimes involves some testing and uh, also uh, supporting them. So let's get into it then. I think um, the specific question and understanding I wanted to take away from today was specifically around edge data centers. Um, but I think before we do that, we have to take a bit of a step back um, and we need to sort of understand what's driving that, and that is edge computing. So, Rafi, I thought it'd be good if we can kick things off, if you can give a bit of an explanation and understanding 
um, on what edge computing is and, it, and really the drivers behind it. And we'll, we'll have some discussion on that. Sure. Uh, thanks. Uh, to, to understand it, as you say, you've got to you've got to step back a little bit. Uh, and firstly, let's just make sure that everyone understands that with these things, it's not like somebody sat down someday and decided, right, let's design this thing called edge computing. It's something where things happen. And then we come up for a name and we come up with a paradigm afterwards once we've actually seen what's going on. So in the broadest possible terms, um, the Internet has helped us to, to join our devices. Our network is, is, is one um, at the best of times. Um, and what that means is that people require content. Um, and whilst we enjoy the benefits of cloud services, uh, the cloud isn't the best thing for everything, it turns out. Um, so what started to happen is, and I mentioned this Bloomberg example, I'll get straight to that. We used to broadcast, and I'm talking about early 2000s, so way ahead of the game. They used to broadcast uh, Bloomberg TV, five channels of it, and, and transport all of the images sound all of the rushes everything used to happen over the bloomberg network which is a privately owned network um, so not many people were doing video over ip at that point and what happened is that uh, if you would tell users hey did you know that you can type a command on your bloomberg terminal and get uh, get bloomberg tv um, they would say wow this is great i've never had TV on my computer before. I know that sounds totally bizarre in 2022, uh, but they'd say, wow. And then people would find out, oh, wow, he's looking at, you know, watching video on, on the computer, same screen. It's great. I can have it up in the corner. Um, uh, trouble, because delivering so much video content from a central location uh, meant that you jammed up the network. Simple as that. Um, and writ large over the internet, you know, if you think about how much of the internet's traffic is video, um, if it were all coming from a central point and flowing on demand freely, uh, it wouldn't work. So a content delivery network is where we decide to put the uh, put the computation nearer to the nearer to the user. So we would have sites that were close to the users where those individuals who had requested video on demand would benefit from having a dedicated stream that was being shared by many users in that cluster and not taking up um, uh, bandwidth through the rest of the network, which if you imagine with Bloomberg, people are trading on that. So, you know, if, if people gummed up the network, people started yelling uh, and yelling quickly. Um, so that was the beginning of it, let's say, again, uh, uh, broad pictures and writ large. Um, now what we have is a situation where it's gone further than that. Everyone is consuming video uh, 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 on their TVs and so forth, on their computers. That's, that's a fact of life. But edge computing is taking a step beyond that and thinking about the device um, and the, the end point as being slightly more sophisticated than it was. So a good example would be uh, your phone unlocking. So if you've got a face recognition phone to unlocking, to, to, to set up to unlock on your face, 
the computation that's required to do that, an AI process, it's pretty complex. False positives and false negatives are dangerous. Um, it's got to be done right. It's got to be done quickly. Pushing that up to the cloud doesn't make for a great user experience. Simple as that. Um, you know, you wouldn't sell many phones if it had to go back up to the cloud or we don't have connectivity today or at the moment, you're, you're, you know, you're in a, 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 a bandwidth dark spot. You can't use your phone, sorry. Um, another one would be um, a car. If you, if you buy, again, various brands of car are available, but if you buy a Tesla, one of the things that you become aware of in that experience is just how much sensing that car is doing. So collision detection, um, if you had to rely on the cloud to put the brakes on, right? That's really obvious. You need to have computation at the edge. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, again, really quick story, but that's that's what we're talking about here today. Yeah, sure. So I think in... It, uh, what I take from that in summary as almost is that, you know, I think many industries and enterprise are going to use this, but it, it's kind of what we're looking to do is maximize operational efficiency and performance as well as safety. You mentioned that there with collision on and just take that always on attitude a step further with edge. Um, and it comes down to latency, right? In large, in large part. Yeah. Latency and that it, it, it's, it's, Again, if you go back to 1982 and you showed me what you could do with the cloud, I'd probably be able to, to, to wait for a response from the cloud and still think it's pretty amazing. But we've become hmm. um, somewhat entitled and we want our devices to react really, really quickly and dynamically. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And I kind of think of it as well. Um, not so much from a device end, but I think obviously I read something that around Australia is absolutely perfect for the edge, right? You know, they're not used to traditional cloud facilities, that kind of thing, but having local compute um, close to the consumer um, is just going to deal with latency issues massively and it's sort of going to cover that ground. Um, so surely it's going to be in demand there just as much as anywhere, right? Sure. Um, so in having um, mentioned edge and Specifically, we kind of touched on edge data centers there almost to a point. Um, but I know you've got some experience as a, a field application engineer for Kingston. So you may have had conversations with people about this already or not. Um, but I know Kingston do cover a lot on edge um, on their portal. Um, could you possibly just give our audience an insight into specifically what an edge data center might look like or what it is? If we talk about the edge, we already know that the computing is basically brought closer to the user or or the application, which basically cuts the latency, yeah, and um, with that reducing the bandwidth uh, uh, required to go to the cloud itself. So um, now looking at the product perspective from Kingston, uh, how they come in, and this is um, so the those servers or those computers they will require some sort of uh, memory or a storage yeah so uh, now memory is for the uh, mostly anyway needed but um, now looking at the storage um, SSDs which is uh, performance driven right so uh, and I will only concentrate on the NVMe because uh, that's what is uh, offered at the moment and being uh, the fastest uh, storage uh, available and that basically helps on the edge to cache the data. So 
to keep up um, with the data streams coming to the edge uh, computation, uh, which means uh, it's really it, there's data coming in from sensors, there's data coming in from uh, video vision, like going on the example with um, uh, the um, car, for example. So there's a lot of data coming to the system itself. So and that data needs to be stored somewhere, which is uh, mostly a, a SSD based or NVMe based storage. That could be a, a M.2 SSD, or it could also be a U.2, uh, just as an example. And uh, there's also other um, form factors available to uh, use it as a storage. So uh, this is now just on the edge uh, computing. So now taking up the first example with the um, content uh, delivery network, it's interesting because um, you have different uh, tiering models there as well. So you have the, the normal storage on the edge computer itself. And then you also have the caching storage. So the normal storage could be could may be of a, a normal standard SATA drive, uh, but which runs the operating system or uh, or smaller applications. And now going at what needs to be available right away or data that needs to be processed quickly or need to be accessible quickly, uh, that could be now in the cache. And that cache uh, be mostly NVMe uh, SSD. Um, so now, in terms of the data route between the edge and the cloud, in the cloud itself, it could be actually sitting on a hard drive or a standard uh, slower storage medium, because uh, it depends on what type of data it is, and it transfers between the, the edge and the cloud. And uh, so the edge computing would basically cache everything what is needed immediately and what it can get on data locally and process it locally and whatever information it requires from the cloud it will get it from the back in the background so as a user or from the application perspective you wouldn't notice any difference in there and because you have it at the edge it basically uh, it's Agreed. seamless thank you so much for that explanation i just wanted to give our audience a bit of an insight you know everyone sort of since in the past four or five ten years is just starting to get used to or fully understanding what the cloud is and, and understanding that situation and cloud facilities is someone able to give us a bit of an explanation how does an edge facility differ to a cloud facility i, I mean I, I was going to mention um some of the physical things the difference between running things on on spinning disks and running them on on ssd just just quickly because i'm just th th thinking about the devices that we've got right if uh, i i my first mp3 player there was a there was a hard drive in there um again if you think about your tesla uh or any sort of device that's making any kind of decision uh again that's 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 a uh, there are degrees to it like a Roomba is making a decision that's 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 completely autonomous uh ha, you know the consequences for being wrong uh just if you could imagine a car festooned with spinning hard drives right this is one of the things where we expect now our devices to be go anywhere right so everything on tablets uh everything that engineers are using things that are in um difficult environments, high humidity environments or, or, or uh, 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 environments with uh, uh, vibration, uh, 
a hard drive is just is 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 no good. Um, SSD is is you know it's 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 the ideal thing because it can uh, it, it can be powered off. You know it it's it's um, noiseless. So many things about it are are apt for the situation. Before you come to the fact that this is something that is capable of moving large volumes of data around locally and that's that's that key process there where so for example if you think about cloud gaming or metaverse applications like a vr headset the work that is being done locally it's leveraging very large amounts of data in order to create that experience so the question being about the form factor of a a cloud data center and an edge data center, um, you know, I look at it from an environmental uh, point of view. You, you, you wouldn't want to have that form factor, um, you know, roaming the streets. For sure. Um, and I do think back to obviously just what you're saying there in terms of difference to HDD, no moving parts kind of thing. Um, but do, Bala, do you think SSDs are going to have to be even more robust in the nature as we move forward with technology? Um, obviously talking about vibrations, environmental things, do you think even SSD is going to have to involve further to deal with what the edge demand will be? Most certainly. Um, I mean, it's at the moment, It's uh, I think it, it depends on the location uh, or the environment where the, the edge computer is located. Um, and having specific um, specifications, so to give like simple examples, so let's say it is an environment where uh, it's very um, cold or very hot uh, or because you will always generate heat as a computer itself already but then also um, the uh, environmental so the, the temperature around it uh, plays a role as well so for example it could be that there will be some sort of a heating or cooling available at that location but in case of it that it's not available then the components used in the systems have to compensate so it will really depend on uh, uh, where it's located so accordingly of course the um, specifications need to evolve as well so uh, there is for example industrial uh, temperature ranges for products or there are specifications in terms of vibrations and uh, uh, even like uh, i'm trying to think um, there is uh, there are specifications available on specific products and so we do have customers who ask for these specifications. Okay, can it withstand uh, uh, this level of uh, shock or can it withstand uh, this level of vibrations? Um, if it's, for example, something where there is vibrations expected. I'll, I'll give an example if I can. Let's think about the Elizabeth line that just recently opened. Um, this is a brand new piece of infrastructure that's been designed entirely on digital platforms. Um, and whereby the entire the entire infrastructure, the whole thing from top to bottom, um, has been designed with sensors. Firstly, getting the thing in there when they were, you know, that they're, 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 they're drilling mere meters from existing running tube lines. Right to get that right, you need your sensors. And <laughs> think about your underground; it's a huge drilling thing. Um, you can't afford not to know if there's a pressure buildup, if there's uh, uh, water coming in, all of these things. So that's in the build phase. In the run phase, you have 
an entire, uh, all the heating, ventilation, uh, all of those things are now run as uh, 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 effectively edge deployments. You've got a whole bunch of sensors uh, reporting in real time, and that enables the user at the, at the operation center to know exactly what is going on throughout the entire network uh, in real time and to make decisions based upon that. Um, for me, that's a you know, really good example about um, how the cloud doesn't suit everything, right? Um, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I think, you, and you mentioned it there, I think transport makes up around 25% of spend on um, edge hardware currently at the moment, and that'll probably only grow. I imagine that, that brings us on nicely to the next bit. I imagine that'll bring up, I think as we move on, we'll have different businesses and industries be introduced to edge possibly, but outside of that example, have you got any other further example guys um, of sort of business um, or industry use cases for edge right now? Well, a similar one um, to the, the, you know, the engineering surface, let's call it. Um, it critical infrastructure, uh, energy, gas, power, all of those things. Um, the ability of technicians to see what's going on and fix problems um, is, 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 is entirely, it's powered by, uh, you know, it's all on tablets. People are able to collaborate um, and see on some of these platforms, you know, you can see all of the bits of infrastructure for the first time in a virtual space laid laid out next to each other. So when you're drilling, you don't make any mistakes. So, you know, that's one. In, in, in areas sort of perhaps closer to the consumer, um, we have uh, uh, things like VR, the metaverse, and, and I know we're talking about very, very broad things, but 5G was supposed to be a big, uh, a big change and the internet of things um again that's a very very gen generic term and we all of the things that we've been talking about fit into the internet of things of course it's not just a consumer thing but we're talking about a spread of a new generation of technology um or technologies into the public sphere so if you look at the way mobile phones are able to uh, interact with the network um things like cloud gaming become possible right so i've got this little device it's on the tube it's connected to some you know public wi-fi yet i am still able to to game um, that is a you know there's a patchwork of technologies in play there but one of the things that you can't do without uh, is is the edge computing paradigm for that and the ability to move large amounts of data around uh, which is, of course, to do with internal throughput of, of whatever device you're talking about. But the reason why you need big throughput these days is because you've got 1080p graphics running on. You know, it's, it's kind of pointless on a little screen, I always say, but, you know, that's that's the experience that's that's being delivered. Um, and I think about things for the future, we, you know, the, the smart city. Let's, uh, you know, talk about things like, like that. Uh, the connected home, a lot of people uh, uh, run their home on things like Hive and, and, and Apple Home platforms. Um, that's that's perhaps for the future. What I wanted to just quickly touch on is we mentioned sort of digital transformation earlier, and it's kind of like we're in a constant state of digital transformation, um, but cloud has sort of brought it on as well. But, you know, sadly, we're in a cost of living 
issue or cost of business crisis as such. Um, how do we think edge computing is going to be affected by this in terms of how quickly we do continue to transform? You know, is is an edge strategy something that business, all businesses in that realm should be looking to now? Or do you think the situation that we're in with, I don't want to say it with a potential recession coming up, is it going to slow things down or we just can continue on this path? There's a lot to unpack there. Um, look, the, the, there's so many things that are facing us as a, as a, as a society. Uh, uh, you know, obviously the energy situation, let's not touch that. Um, but let's talk more about the economy in and of itself. Things like retail, right, which has been squeezed. Um, the fact that people now want to work from home now that they've actually experienced it and seen that it isn't all bad. Uh, I, I, you know, because I, as I say, I deal with digital transformation. I joke that if I'd gone to the COOs or the CEOs of the organizations that I work with three years ago uh, and say, you know, what you really ought to do is to make everyone a home worker. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't get a single meeting. Um, this is, again, something that's been thrust upon us. Um, you know, look at the QR, the humble QR code, right? Dead, dead and buried. Uh, three years ago, and now it's a technology that's found a use case. The point here is that it's very, very difficult to make secure predictions at this point, you know, uh, uh, about what's going to happen. But what we do know um, is that we've entered an, a, 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 a phase of mobility. You really want to be able to do anything anywhere um, and have that that flexibility to 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 to, to work um, and play, be entertained where you are. Um, so yes, there's there's a lot that's happening that's mixed up. Let's not forget the edge paradigm is something that we 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 called it that after it happened. So there's multiple things going on. And if you talk again about digital transformation, if you are a hospital, that means something very very different to if you are a school no less serious so when you talk about how do people put edge to work uh for their benefit it, it really depends who you are um if you are uh, 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 you know an artist edge can help you to collaborate with other artists you know i'm a musician and one thing that you've not been able to do is to go into a studio and and, and play music with other people so you now have very low latency edge powered collaboration platforms for for, for musicians uh, you know where there is a need people will presumably come up with some response to that the edge paradigm is here and it's it, it's going to be part of of anyone's uh you know solution to a problem mm. And you've mentioned cloud not being right for some things. What is cloud right for right now? If it's not for for all things, what would you say, what would you say if you were going to split the strategy between edge and cloud? That's really a, a a good question. So it depends how fast you want your decisions made. Okay. So traditionally speaking, if I've got my data backed up or or, or stored now actively on on something. Uh, you know, something like the Microsoft O365 environments or people running there uh, on, on G Suite, just to be fair to both sides there. Um, uh, you're probably totally content 
to have all of your data sitting on the cloud if you have to wait five seconds for a document to appear. Um, it's really not such a big deal. Are you able to collaborate in real time with your colleagues on a Word document or a, a, a you know a PowerPoint? Yeah, you can totally do that now. Um, so, in the again, it really depends who you are. We're talking about very long lasting and and, and deep technology trends. So, if you, um, I, I don't know, if you if you are planning a new product or service, um, there's a big difference between something where it's contingent on a decision being made locally because there's the data is sitting there or whether I'm running a regular you know a b2b business all of your data can sit in the cloud it's it's not stuff that um if it isn't delivered now 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 you're going to suffer a, a financial loss or a lack of efficiency the cloud's still pretty good um but again you know if I want my car to break suddenly because a child's wandered into the road uh I, I i i you know don't want to rely on the cloud for that one no for sure Bala, anything to add to that the only thing i would add really is it, i do think that they both kind of coexist so they there is there is the need for the cloud as well as the for the edge and uh, and in some way it depends on how the infrastructure is built up they contribute each other as well like sorry complement each other as well so there is some data that will be still in the cloud. So uh, let's just as a simple example, um, if um, if if something is not available on the edge, but uh, it needs to be acquired from somewhere else, in that case, the cloud comes in handy. Or the other way around, you've been working on the on the cloud, but then if something goes wrong with the cloud, you can leverage uh, back to the edge to get uh, the same data. Uh, so it's 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 the uh, I think it depends on the complexity behind the whole uh, infrastructure how it's structured and that could be different from uh, different use cases. If you think about AI, for example, like if you compare something like Dali Mini or Crayon, right, where the one you 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 type in, please show me, you know, a picture of literally anything, right, and it, the AI does its best to respond. You're happy to wait a minute for that picture to appear. But if I'm relying on an AI process to take a decision locally, right? So unlock my phone, again, that example, um, or clean up my picture, right? I've just taken a picture of, a, 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 you know, again, not promoting particular phones or brands, but the one where you can airbrush someone. Yeah. <laughs> you would need the cloud for or, that. <laughs> right. It's, it's something which the experience leverages a technology. The technology has to be at the edge, whereas if... Um, it's something where you are leveraging compute over a longer period of time because maybe it's a more complex task um, or because delivery of the result isn't as time critical. Really, really appreciate that. And I just sort of sort of think of the back end of this podcast, I want to look at um, the immediate future trends really and just bring it back to you, Bella and Kingston. You did kind of touch on it earlier, but what do you think you'll be seeing from or what people can see from Kingston in the future sort of adapt to this new edge way of doing things what what, what things do you have in the pipeline if you can or cannot speak about that I think to say it really simply without giving away a lot 
um, I think we we I mean in the past and uh, right now as well we we always tend to um, adapt to the demand out there. So that means like uh, we 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 monitor the market the market and uh, we see like let's say which technologies are more adapted or becoming more mainstream or which form factors are more used and we would then accordingly um, develop uh, products or bring out products which uh, will fit that demand so um, in that terms uh, that's that's all I can actually say I mean uh, there, there are things in, in the pipeline and we do uh, watch as well what what is what is the next upcoming technology and uh, already start like looking into that direction but uh, it's it's actually the the demand and the market which decides kind of uh, what uh, what is needed at the time at the moment i mean uh, there's a wide range of uh, products already available so uh, now thinking of iot devices they if they have like some sort of storage locally it's mostly micro sd uh, there we have our specific uh, industrial type of uh, micro sd cards as well as uh, consumer type of micro sd cards which can be used in these uh, IoT devices, and then the other one I already mentioned, which is uh, SSDs. It depends. We have what is needed right now. Uh, there may be some form factors which we don't do can come in the future. The one thing about the cost of living crisis is that obviously your technology, if you realize you've got to replace your laptop, um, you know, one of the things, the great option uh, is to boost up your existing equipment by giving it more more memory right so it's able that you know well, well even if the processor is an older processor if you give that um the bandwidth of having double the ram that it had before you will instantly find that your computer is actually it's actually not so bad uh and the other thing in terms of storage you know again if you bought something a while back um Obviously, as 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 the digital world becomes richer, file types and files in general get 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 bigger, uh, and again that puts a lot of uh, pressure on on devices. One of the most efficient ways of of keeping hold of your equipment and without suffering any performance loss is to use high performance USB SSDs. So I, I, I do this, you know, if you're buying a new computer, if you buy it with 256 instead of a terabyte, you'll probably save yourself about 800 pounds current market price. And you can get yourself a terabyte of, of really quick outboard storage for probably, uh, you know, about a couple of hundred quid. So um, the memory SSD situation, it's really really a, a very very useful um it's a very very useful way of, of boosting your device's power and capability yeah i think i think that's that's absolutely okay i think that might be just a way of thinking for the next 12 to 24 months instead of going out and buying new kit what can you do with the current kit you have that you've not already been able to achieve would you agree bella you you pointed out the obvious really um uh, and we, we... <laughs> um it's this is actually a, a very current topic we have here um, quite often and we see it as well in terms of uh, queries where 
people do want to know like uh, okay i've got this hardware what can i do with it can i can i squeeze out the last bit out of it and, and that's exactly what you can do you can check if you can upgrade the memory or upgrade the conventional hard disk or spinning disk to a ssd if it's a desktop you may even be able to use uh, uh, adapters to use even an m.2 if it doesn't have it and there's there's so many uh, different options available to really just squeeze out uh, the last bit of the existing hardware. And uh, this starts from standard consumers all the way to uh, um, data centers even, where you can look at uh, how can you squeeze out the last bit out of your existing hardware. And uh, we, we, are, we see these queries and we are always available as well when uh, customers want to find out what can I do with the hardware, what I have right now? I was going to say another really cool thing that you can do, um, if you're familiar with the Raspberry mm. Pi, right? So this is really, you know, a de minimis computer. <laughs> so I, I work with one organization that's got its own edge setup, right? So they've got a bunch of screens as you come up into the into the office. They have screens rather like on the underground where you've got the, the escalator and the, the, the adverts. They've got flat panels with content that is of their own creation. And they have all of this content stored and running locally. They're not pushing it from the cloud. It's all being done locally through Raspberry Pi that they find they control them through a cloud interface, but they're actually leveraging local compute, like a really powerful, mean little computer that just does one thing. Um, I think that's a, a, you know, again, another creative use of technology um, that, you know, nothing to do really with, with, with the cloud. There's a, there's a lot of exciting things that you can do uh, at the edge. Yeah, I agree. And I think, Bala, just going back to form factors, EDSFF sort of server form factors have been going to become more important, right, for getting, getting more out of of less or whatever situation. So the E1S, E1L ruler situation, what, what do you think on those? As Kingston, we don't have a product yet in that seg segment, um, but we are looking into it. And uh, it's the difficulty is um, always to know which form factor will become the mainstream uh, product. Obviously, so for example, we, we brought out the U.2, um, uh, which kind of still capturing its momentum sort of it's it's growing there's more uh, more customers uh, starting to use it but it still hasn't kind of established as the uh, main mainstream uh, go to uh, storage as such for example and that's why it's to be seen um, how the that next form factor which one will actually uh, take take the mainstream uh, spot and uh, we we're still looking into that as well, and uh, but I don't have any details on uh, when we will have a product in that segment. But um, there there is some interesting new form factors coming, and uh, they they make totally sense. But we we need to see how quick that gets adopted by the mainstream. Yeah, it will definitely be interesting to see what comes in out in that field, especially dealing with specifically edge servers and things like that. So um, I really, really appreciate it, guys. Um, I just want to sort of some closing remarks to round this up. Um, Rafi, for, for those working or having businesses in travel or retail, healthcare, what, what would your advice be to them on an edge strategy right now, the steps they should be taking? It's a great question. 
Um, again, those are very disparate fields. And, and, and one of the things that unites them all, let's say, is the need to make long-term technology decisions. So in my business, you know, in a, dealing with, with, with banks and so forth, there's this expression, technical debt, right? So you, you, you invested, uh, you know, a quarter of a million pounds on this particular platform in this particular plat uh, paradigm three years ago. Has that actually locked you in to a situation where you actually need to spend 750,000 to get out of it and start making your own decisions? So this is um, one of the things that's happening. The role of the IT manager, and I apologize to all of the IT managers that I, I, I know, but traditionally at least, their role was linked to the server room, right? There's physical stuff that they have to manage. If you'd asked an IT manager that's looking after a big server room, do you think your business should move to the cloud? Right, their answer isn't going to be objective because they're they're firing themselves. Right, therefore the role of the IT it's less IT and more OT today. Operational technology, the technology is a given. It's actually more about making decisions long term that suit your organizational strategy. Right, so what that looks like if you're a hospital. Uh, there probably is a lot of cloud in there because I, I I know that, you know, if you scan someone's dodgy knee, right, a DICOM slide, as it's called, is, is, is 1.5 gig, right? So I wouldn't recommend that those guys store everything locally. And indeed, one of the problems has been that they buy a scanner and it comes with, you know, a few terabytes of spinning disk. Well, what happens when that goes? So you need to take a very, very long term, five to 10 years, not zero to five years, about what your organization is actually seeking to achieve. And then think about what's the best technology route uh, to go down, depending very much on, on what it is that you do. If you make physical objects, it may well be that those things get kitted out with an IP address that they didn't have before. Um, whereas if you are, um, you know, if, if you are a printing business, right, you're still leveraging the physical world, right? That's, again, very random. But, you know, if you're a printing business, that works great on the, on the cloud. Um, you know, you don't have to do anything really, really quick with the data, big, heavy files, um, and you can really be anywhere in order to, to, to perform that service. So, um, again, a bit of a lawyer's answer, it depends. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. That's absolutely fine. And you're pretty thorough there. Um, so we've sort of touched on, well, I think we've really touched on edge computing and what the drivers are behind it, edge data center specifically compared to what the cloud is and some of the components behind that and how things are adapting, the economics. Is there anything else that we do you think would be worthwhile for our audience to hear about before we sort of close up? Um, forgive me for having another point, but um, I, we, we, I mentioned the smart city uh, a while ago, and one of the most high profile smart city experiments was in Toronto. And I'll just invite viewers to go and look up and see what, what actually happened there. Um, but as I said at the top, I, I deal with sort of information governance. Uh, and one of the things that people have to be aware of, of course, is that the product sometimes is it's actually you. Um, Looking at what data 
you hold, where you hold it, um, how you encrypt it for the long term, uh, you know, how you treat your own digital legacy is also perhaps not something for the cloud. Um, uh, uh, but, but also privacy. So one of the things that if I had an entirely internet of things, if I'd home, right, it's tracking my movement, um, it's tracking, you know, my body temperature, the level of alcohol in my blood, whatever, you know, whatever it might be. This isn't all about smart cars and power stations, right? We are the users and it is our data. So that's one thing that I would add to the conversation is that if this is all our data, if we're the ones generating all of this digital information, um, we need to think about how that's how that's treated. So, um, you know, change your passwords and use encryption uh, and make sure that when you, if you're if you're actually building these products and services, uh, this idea of privacy by design and making it easy for the user, for the for, for the individual to govern what happens with their data. I think this is a, a key thing to, to add to all of this. Really appreciate you both coming on. I thought that was a very, very interesting and thorough conversation. We touched on a lot. Um, is there any links or anything that you'd like me to send people to that that, that might help you guys? Kingston.com. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Thank you, guys. Um, I appreciate it. And um, yeah, we'll speak soon.